This is the Conquer Local Podcast, presented by Vendasta, with your host, George Lee. It is the latest edition of the Conquer Local Podcast. We continue our special editions where we're speaking about everything to do with the digital marketing stack for local businesses. And we're talking about every stage. And we actually might cover off a bunch of stages today because joining me on the line, he's in Florida right now because he's getting ready to run an Ironman on Sunday. Uh, But he hangs his hat in New Orleans, one of my favorite cities in the world. Will Scott, the CEO of Search Influence. He's probably one of the sharpest guys when it comes to SEO. Started in the space in 1994 when he launched his first website. And we are going to bring him on the show to give us some insights into how to position SEO to your customer and also how to speak to the value proposition 30, 60, 90, 120 days down the road with those clients. And Will always has some great stories to tell. So we're going to get some of those and we're going to fill you in on that world of search engine optimization. It's all coming up. Will Scott, the CEO of Search Influence, is next on the Conquer Local Podcast. It is the latest edition of the Conquer Local Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest joining us from New Orleans, one of my favorite cities. And uh, Will Scott, the CEO of Search Influence on the line. Will, thanks for joining us. George, thanks for asking me. You know, we were, we're talking about the digital marketing stack that a local business needs to deploy from awareness through to... Um, you know, your listings and your online reputation and your website and the ranking of that website, the conversion, and then the advocacy that you need to get from your existing customers. And I, I was, you know, we need to talk about SEO. Who should I call? And there was just one name that came to my mind and that was you, Will, because I remember when you and I met about five and a half years ago, I was speaking on a panel and somebody made some outrageous comment that was on the panel and you jumped in and I think it was, you don't want to respond to negative reviews because you'll get negative keywords or I can't remember what it was, but it was some crazy bloody thing of not responding to a negative review. You didn't want to do that. Anyways, that's how we met. And, um, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to help those sales reps that are listening to it as the training material that we try to provide on how to position this digital marketing stack. That's our goal. And we haven't really said it's going to be six episodes, 12 episodes. It might be 20 by the time we're done, depending upon who we're able to bring in to speak to it. So today, let's talk about SEO. And uh, you know, can you give us a bit of an overview of the SEO business and how it's kind of evolved in the last five years? Yeah, thanks, George. I think it's um, the growth of the SEO business and the, the sort of changing of the SEO business from the time that I got into it, and just for context, I put my first website online in 1994. So the thing that's most interesting to me is there's a, there's a great scene in the movie All That Jazz where they dance to the song Everything Old Is New Again. And, and I feel like that is just so relevant because whether we call it SEO or even now online PR or content marketing, it's all of the same stuff. Okay. So how, how is that, that it's all the same stuff? Will Reynolds gives a great talk in which he, he sort of shows how um, Google does things in response to what they believe are human behaviors. And then SEOs do things in response to what Google has done. And Will's point is that instead of chasing Google, 
SEOs should be chasing the human beings. So how do you answer the questions that they have? How do you help them get their job done? How do you help, uh, in your case, how do you help a sales rep better understand the products that they're trying to take to market? So the, in the last probably three or four years, I think there's been a rhetorical shift from SEO to content marketing and sometimes to local search where people are talking more about how you show up well in maps and in other directory listings, uh, something that your products do very well in helping. But, but this idea of SEO has perhaps become a little bit um, less popular than it once was. So I, I've also heard it sometimes referred to as, uh, you know, the voodoo of SEO, meaning that it's hard sometimes to explain the benefit or, or what the ROI is. So if you were to sit down with a local business person and say, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with your SEO, what would be the way that you would position the deliverable so that you can have that uh, comfortable conversation 30, 60, 90 days down the road, rather than an uncomfortable conversation where the client, you know, thinks they bought something that, that they didn't get. It's pretty simple. The art of SEO is being where the prospective customer is searching. So, you know, way back at the dawn of time, the Yellow Pages had a, uh, had a, had a, a slogan, which was, we put buyers and sellers together. In essence, what SEO does is puts buyers and sellers together online. And interestingly, depending on where you approach SEO, it may be at different points in the funnel. If you're creating content that talks about a need that's, uh, that's further up the funnel than the actual point of purchase, then you can be actually in the awareness phase. If you talk about things like Google listings and directory listings, where someone's actively doing a search and you want to show up on the map, that's very much bottom of funnel. That's transactional. They're ready to buy. So I think that the way to position it and the way that we position it to our customers is you want to be in the places where your customer is searching, whether they're just getting to know you or whether they're at the point of purchase. And there's different tactics that work for each of those places. So I have one VP of sales of a newspaper group transition to digital marketing company, I should say, um, that shall go nameless, but he very famously says you need to deploy on-site SEO tactics and off-site SEO tactics. Can we talk about both of those and, and kind of explain them so that sales rep can understand? I actually think that that's, I think that's a, a good starting point, And I think it's a tad simplistic. Traditionally, when we talk about on-site SEO, we are talking about things like the title of the pages, the content on the pages, some, some very uh, low-level bit twiddling, like naming images properly, right? All of those things could go into on-site SEO. And then some much more technical things, like the use of, of schema markup to make sure that your addresses are showing up correctly. Uh, and there's schema for all kinds of things, schema for videos, schema for articles, schema for um, medical procedures, interestingly. Mm -hmm. So while I believe that it's a good sort of entry point to talk about on-site and off-site SEO, I think that when you dig down deeper, uh, on-site SEO can be all kinds of things, some of which is very technical and some of which is marketing, right? the language you use, the calls to action, that sort of thing, those all, in my mind, are part of what a modern SEO wants to think about. Now, I can dig deeper in offsite if you like, um, and that's a place where I think 
uh, interestingly, the and we use the Vendasta tool set for some of this, um, distribution to local directories would be an example of offsite SEO. Right. The creation of content that you promote through um, uh, PR websites and uh, other places where you can get them placed, those are examples of offsite SEO. Finding reasons for other people to link to you. An example might be a um, sponsorship of a local organization, right? Those are all examples of offsite SEO. But it, but like I said, it's a good, it's a good, you know, basic idea of on-site versus off-site. And then as you dig in, uh, I think that the subtleties and nuances um, can make it something that you can have a really productive conversation about for years to come. So that you know, you're going exactly where I was hoping you would go with this. I think what the VP of Sales uh, was trying to do was to position it very simply for the local business person that doesn't understand any of that. Yeah. But what you started to dig into with the schema discussion, it and I'll tell you about something that happened today. I have a couple of clients that are actual end businesses because we, of course, deal through media companies and agencies, and I don't get to right. talk to too many hardware store people or uh, whitetail deer ranches or mortgage brokers. So I right. have a couple of people that I deal with directly, and they're, they're people that I've met over the years. And, and f so I was talking to the marketing director who has 33 mortgage brokers. She was going to have a meeting with her boss and her boss's boss to justify the spend that she has against a number of tactics. And, you know, we, she was lamenting over it because she wants to do a great job and they don't really know. They just know that they're looking for some sort of a result and they want to see the, the till and the cash register. So we, we were walking through some of those things around schema and page load times and all the things that we had done to optimize their website, which, you know, excuse my French was a piece of shit when we took it over. Uh, and, and they, and so pretty easy to show that we're getting you more traffic and that the people that are coming to the website are spending more time and you're ranking better on search, but you know, she was looking to have pages upon pages of information because she thought that more pages would show that we'd done a better job. How, how would you describe that call 30, 60, 90 days down the road for a rep to position it. Um, so we've got our baby digital client over here, doesn't really care too much, just wants to see some metrics. And then we've got the maybe a little more savvy customer we need to have a discussion with. Can we, can we walk through both of those as to how you would do it? Well, I think that the, you know, we have to, we have to help the customer understand that for the first maybe 60 days of an engagement like that, you're really kind of covering the bases you're managing the basic blocking and tackling of SEO. Can the search engines read the content on your site? Do the, do, do the words and the language on your site speak to the searcher's intent, right? So those are very much kind of basic stuff. Um, and then next is, is your information accurate across all of the places where um, searchers might be looking and Google and other search engines might be looking to validate that you are who you say you are, right? Um, so those are, those are, to me, the 30, 60, 90-day kind of discussions, as well as do you have a means of telling whether or not um, you're getting the results that you're looking for? We have a, a phrase that we use around our office, which is metrics that matter, right? Because I can give you all kinds of metrics. I can, I can flood you with numbers, but 99% of them don't matter. And the one that I think 
your marketing director is going to be most interested in demonstrating is, does this tactic drive these leads, right? And then what's my relative cost of this tactic relative to these leads? And that to me is, I think, a, you know, it's a, it's a challenge for a lot of folks to do because they're, they're additive. Now, paid search is easy, right? You flip a switch, right. lead come or they don't come, you know if it's working. With non-paid efforts, with organic efforts, there really is a bit of a cumulative effect. So first off, setting the expectation that you're, this is not a 30-day fix. It's not a 60-day fix. It is 90 at the minimum or maybe even longer than that? Uh, um, just this week, in fact, uh, Tuesday afternoon, we had a summit with one of our customers uh, who has been a customer of ours um, actively paying us to engage in SEO for 10 years. And they're still seeing value, right? right? That guy had... 400 plastic surgery patients that he can attribute to SEO and and his cost for acquisition of each of those is considerably lower than his cost of acquisition of any other channel that he's in but you know it's an ongoing process and and I used to have customers ask me all the time when do we get to stop paying you and I would say only half joking when we've driven all your competition out of business and nobody's graduating from school in your industry at that point in time, you can stop paying us. Now that is a great line. Uh, and it's very true because, you know, the money that is invested in this tactic is a very low cost of acquisition compared to the other things that, you know, even compared to buying an ad campaign. Oh, heck yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. I, um, do you think the demand for SEO today is higher than it was three years ago? So it's a really interesting question. The answer is yes. But the interesting thing is that customers aren't necessarily calling it SEO, okay. right? They're, in some cases, they're calling it content marketing. Right. In some cases, they're even calling it social media marketing, right? Because the activity in social media and the content that one creates there could be considered as part of the bucket, which we would think of as SEO. That's a very good point. I have a question. Should I put my positive reviews of my business on my website? Uh, the, you know, people like me usually like to give the, the it depends answer. Um, I think the answer is yes, right? I think, that, I think that in certain cases, the answer is yes. The reason that I think that is because there may be instances where you're collecting reviews that don't necessarily exist out on the review platforms, you know, uh, Google and Yelp and TripAdvisor and HealthGrades, um, and you may have great reviews from from customers that don't exist out there. Right. And also from a much of the benefit that Google confers to a business is based on the extent to which they look like a real brand. And so if I attract a user to my website and I keep them on my website, there's a higher likelihood that Google's going to believe that I'm a real brand. And one of the things that people are looking for is reviews from real customers. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about, back to the Will Reynolds example, if you think about helping the user get done the thing that they're trying to do versus worrying about what Google wants you to do, then you would have some of those on your own website. 
Posting on Google My Business, how big of a deal was that when they when they brought it out? It was a pretty big deal, and we're actually really in favor of having a regular posting schedule to the posts feature in Google My Business. Our rationale is that if you you know those cycle through over time, right? So there's a we used to talk this way about Twitter as well. Is that part of it is because not everybody's logged into Twitter all the time. If you're not present with some regularity, then people aren't going to see your messaging. These days, I tend to tell small businesses that Twitter is a complete waste of their time. Mm-hmm. However, that same kind of content, if you post with some regularity, a couple, three times a week, to Google posts associated with your Google My Business listing, that has the same effect. And if you format your images correctly, you can use them for calls to action, like, um, you know, come in to try one today, right. buy now, couponing, that sort of thing, which we know does have a big impact on people's interaction with businesses. So is, is Google going to rank you higher in search because you are participating with reviews on the map and you're participating with Google My Business Posts? So the real correct answer is no. But what's going to happen is users are going to interact with you more through Google and Google is going to infer from that user behavior that you are a better answer to the question being asked. Google's inference that you're a better answer to the question being asked is a positive ranking factor, no doubt in my mind. And, and the reason that it's so important is because that's the thousand pound gorilla in the room. It's the users that are using Google that drives that, yeah. that importance. So it's, it's interesting because I've heard from people say, oh, you got to do it because Google ranks you higher. But it's the reason is they got all the users and it shows that you're interacting with a real business. Well, it's, you know, and it's, and it's, it's a really nuanced answer, right? Because you could also just as easily answer yes and leave out all of the detail. Yes. The detail being it's because of this and this and this. And Google wants to deliver to the advertiser. Google wants to deliver to the user the best answer to their question. Have you saw in the last, if a business claims Google My Business, I mean, goes through the steps, postcard, the whole deal, and then doesn't touch the bloody thing for a year, that it goes away? It, we, we have seen some disappear. And well, interestingly, Google sends out emails every once in a while and says, hey, we noticed you haven't logged into your account. Hey, we noticed you haven't updated your listing. And, and will then turn them off. So, so I do think that there is a real business reason to stay active there. Yeah, and, and then there, there's this other piece. I was in Florida. So you spurred me when you brought up Florida before we went live. I was in Florida about a year and a half ago. We were trying to find this really good seafood restaurant that we found online, had some great reviews. But when we looked at the map, it said that it may be closed. And what mm, had actually yeah. happened is there was some sort of construction on the road and people couldn't right. get to the restaurant on the road that is going towards it. You had to do this big detour and they just basically said, don't bother going there. It's closed, you know? So if you're not interacting with those pages and this just isn't Google my business, this is others, the user right. could impact your data. Well, and, and in fact, you know, we've heard from folks who work at Google that, that they treat that user data with almost as much credibility as they treat the business owner's data. So if they get a preponderance of signals from users that are different than what they get from the business owner, 
then then that's what they're going to believe. So it's interesting. In your opinion, SEO is a bigger business today, bigger opportunity. Um, it, could that be because we have a group of business owners that are becoming a little bit more tech savvy? Well, I think you know. There's a the the great news about having all of the sales efforts out there is that we tend to educate the market. So even if they didn't go to a seminar, you know, even if they didn't go to one of the uh, one of the sessions that you put on with your local newspaper and media clients, even if they didn't come to one of our local university sessions, they're going to be educated by the people who call them on the phone every day saying, hey, this is important. So I think that the demand is actually being driven a lot by the sales efforts. So if you can be the one who's there at the time of need and you can speak smartly about what it is that you're going to do to help, I think that the, the business owner knows they need it. They often don't know where to go. And, and it, it's the, you know, it's the savvy salesperson who's there and who assures them that their experience in businesses like theirs says that that works. So I didn't get a chance. I wanted to leave it till uh, the end here to ask about search influence. And, you know, you, you've been doing this for quite some time. You've got a great business there in New Orleans. Give us the, give us the 60 second plug on search influence and, and how things have been going. Well, we're, um, uh, we're in our 13th year as Search Influence. Uh, we have, as many companies that have been around that long, have gone through a number of iterations. Um, you know, our vision is that we want to have a positive impact on, on every charged marketer uh, and, and company, whether they work for us or not. And, and to that end, we spend a lot of energy in making sure that our teams are the best they can be in the areas that they work. We, like you, have worked with um, media companies and, and newspapers, uh, in some instances, uh, back-ending fulfillment of their SEO and social media. Um, and we've also developed products that streamline that process for other marketing companies. So we are ostensibly a digital marketing agency um, for whom a lot of our work has been in a white label form for media companies and also uh, successfully managing fulfillment for companies that might seem to be competitive with us. So the uh, New Orleans market has been good to you because I think we talked about this a couple of years back. You said it's been good for you finding talent in that market. We're not afraid to train. And I think that that makes, that means that any market that has smart people in it is a good market for us. Uh, I jokingly say that we are the number one uh, training organization for digital marketing in the Gulf South. Um, because oftentimes people will come to us, learn their craft, and then, and then move on to places like HubSpot and Fidelity in Boston, right? So um, it, it is a good market for us. We are finding more and more a need for greater professional maturity, and, and so we're hiring less at the very entry level, but we do still feel like that's an important part of our role mm -hmm. is to add that knowledge uh, regardless of whether it sticks with us or not. So I know that uh, you've been running up a storm here lately over the last two years, but I know that that's not the only thing you do outside of work. I want to ask about what, what you're listening to as far as podcasts are concerned, what books are you reading, what, you know, what blogs, where, where's Will Scott going to learn the, the latest and greatest? A mentor of mine once said that nothing happens until something gets sold. And so for that reason, as a business leader, I do spend a fair amount of my time uh, reading and listening to um, uh, sales and marketing. 
you you remarked on running, but there's also swimming and biking in there too. The reason I'm in Florida right now is because on Sunday I'm going to take part in Ironman Florida. Nice. Um, so you know, so I, I'm a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of the the Cut the Crap podcast because it it gives you sort of great bites of information on um, on books that I think we all should probably be reading. And and unless you're an endurance athlete like me, you may not have several hours a week all by yourself with headphones in. Uh, and the, you know, the other stuff that I'm absorbing right this minute, because this is my first full Ironman and I'm a little bit anxious about it is I'm doing a lot, a lot of sport listening. Um, I listened to one of your countrymen quite a lot, a guy named triathlon Terran, who's in, um, Winnipeg, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which, which may or may not be colder than Saskatoon. I don't know. Well, on the corner of Portage in Maine, it is, um, yes, yeah. they call it winter peg for a reason. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, so, um, so that's, you know, a lot of, that's a lot of my listening. I've, I've also lately been, um, I just finished, uh, one of Deepak Chopra's early works because I think it's really important to manage the way in which you respond. My two top favorite books right this second are, uh, the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday. Uh, and, and Ryan holiday, this, this one's a few years old. And he looks at stoicism with a bit of a modern lens. And, and I joke that you know, stoicism is basically that internet meme where you see something really tragic with the headline, so this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it is, is that uh, anytime something happens, two things happen, right? There's the thing that happened, and then there's your response to it. Right. Typically, you can't control the thing that happened. All you can really control is your response to it. Right. And then the other one is a book called Born to Run, which is just this great story of this epic race uh, with a bunch of American ultra runners and the Tarumara Indians of Mexico. So interesting fact, um, when I first met you, you weren't doing endurance races and things like that. You made a, you made a big lifestyle change. I did. I did. I, I like to tell people, don't let your business try to kill you. <laughs> and I, I can't wait for that book. When you write that book, or maybe you're in the throes of writing it right now of that story, because I think it's quite uh, inspiring. And I, I see you online, see you running. I didn't know about the swimming and the biking part, but uh, good for you on the Ironman. That is very, very impressive. Um, Will, thank you so much for joining us. I know that you're uh, you're quite busy and you've got a busy schedule. Uh, Search Influences is a juggernaut in that New Orleans market and and uh, you've got a lot of very happy customers. Uh, I happen to know a number of them and they're very pleased with the work that you and your teams have been doing. And I appreciate your insight. I think that there definitely are some nuggets in there for our audience as they're out talking about SEO and helping their customers uh, find new leads and new opportunities. So thanks for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure, George. Thanks for taking this on. It's a great service you provide. Well, always uh, entertaining to speak to Will. I've had the privilege of running into him at conventions and and seeing him speak. His content is always bang on and uh, interesting. Everything old is new again. And uh, I think what he's referring to, and he really dug into that, this content marketing thing and social media marketing thing, that is SEO. If you take that content and you provision it properly, it can help your rank because what you really should be concerned, don't be concerned about Google. 
be concerned about the people that are looking for your content and Google will be happy with that because that's, you know, what they're tracking is what the users are doing online. I was glad that he was able to dispel that myth that just by getting Google reviews and uh, posting on Google My Business will get you a better search rank. He added to it, you get the better search rank because that's where 83% of all consumers go to do their searches. And uh, that's where they're interacting with that content. So again, you have to do the tactics to get the result. Not necessarily if you do that, Google's going to give you the, give you the rank. And interestingly enough, he talked more about getting your listings correct and making sure that you position it that in your first 60 days, you're just going to cover the bases and there really isn't going to be a deliverable for about 90 days. And then that one piece that I thought was really inspiring with the customer that he has been working with on their SEO for 10 years, as long as you run all your competitors out of business and nobody else graduates from being a uh, plastic surgeon at the university, you could stop doing SEO. Because, But up until that point, you better keep doing it. So very interesting and very uh, thought-provoking from Will Scott. I think that uh, as a salesperson, there are nuggets in there that you can take into your next call to position those tactics for success of the client and your success as the salesperson and the professional expert in the space. We have more episodes as we continue to cover the digital marketing stack for local SMEs and SMBs. It is the Conquer Local Podcast, and I really appreciate the feedback that we've been getting online through my LinkedIn page. That is the best way to get a hold of me, um, is on LinkedIn, and I read every single comment that we get. I respond to every comment, even the spam of people saying that they'll put me at the top of iTunes and their professional uh, podcast promoters. So anyways, uh, I read them all and uh, I'm looking for that feedback. That's actually where this series came from, was from you, the listener, saying, why don't you do something around digital marketing stack? Why don't you bring in some experts? That's what we're doing and we're going to continue to do it until we have given you all of the items that you need to be successful in positioning the local digital marketing stack to your customers. My name is George Leith. I will see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King and Jeff Tomlin. Audio engineering, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Writing by Michelin Gadet. Marketing by Devin Hennig, Michael Gatioan, and Brian Larson. Produced by Joshua Baker. <laughs>